FC Nation podcast, telling the stories of the beautiful game. I'm your host, Dustin Nation. Welcome. This is episode six of the FC Nation podcast. You're watching your favorite team and everything is going well when all of a sudden the star player goes down injured. On comes the backup. No one had even heard of this guy until he was signed by your team, but now he'll be called upon to fill a vital role in the squad. So how did your team even know about him? In a world full of talented soccer players, how do teams find players to fill squad roles or players that play a very specific style that suits a manager? The answer, scouts. These are the people that make a living watching and evaluating players day in, day out, in order to identify talent. I wanted to know more about what this talent identification process looks like here in the United States. How do they find the right players for the right team? What do they look for when they evaluate talent? Would Messi really have been overlooked in the United States? I caught up with Scott Resendez, co-founder of the new talent identification company, The Soccer Syndicate, to get answers to these questions and more. Scott has an impressive resume featuring experiences like helping to start the MLS Players Association, heading up scouting operations for Peter Vermees at Sporting Kansas City, and even leading Oklahoma City Energy FC as their technical director. Most recently, Scott and co-founder Matt Martin have started a scouting company called The Soccer Syndicate. It's the first independent North American scouting network that supports professional and elite amateur clubs worldwide. I learned so much from Scott, and I hope that you do too. So, here's my interview with Scott Resendez. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Dustin. Appreciate it. Ah, yeah. No, I'm I'm interested to uh, to learn more about you and and what your um your company does and and scouting in America um in general. Uh, so. Uh, I know that you have a very extensive history in the game in the country. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about like who you are and how how you got to where you're at? Sure. Um, I have been working in soccer for um, a little bit more than a dozen, you know, professional soccer more than a dozen years. Um, you know, kind of came to it, uh, you know through law uh, and working for uh, the Players Association, uh, helped launch that organization back in 2006 uh, for MLS, uh, the MLS Players Union, um, helped launch and and worked uh, on player contracts, uh, working with MLS um, and and the players and and player agents. Um, So that was my break into the game always had a passion to work on the technical side as a general manager. Um, was lucky enough to get that opportunity back in USL in 2012, uh, 2012 with the Wilmington Hammerheads. Um, helped uh, that club in 2012 reach the USL championship uh, match. From there, moved to uh, Sporting Kansas City as a scout um, with a handful of gentlemen that I've known for a long time, uh, including uh, my business partner, Matt Martin. Um, 
And so we scouted uh, for P- Peter Vermes uh, for Sporting Kansas City. I stayed with the club for four and a half seasons. Uh, from there, uh, was given an opportunity to go to Oklahoma City, who had previously been one of our uh, USL affiliates, uh, to become their technical director, um, and was there for two seasons, um, and uh, you know helped us to the Western Conference Final um, in USL. Uh, back in 2017. So from there, uh, I left the club um, and decided to uh, reconnect with some of my scouting friends. uh, And we launched our company, the Soccer Syndicate. Very cool. We'll get into Soccer Syndicate and um, the scouting here in a bit. Uh, Sounds like you've pretty Mm -hmm. much been there and and done everything, uh, really, kind of. I'm I'm really interested before we get started into the uh, scouting. I'm interested in more about the players association, um, and uh, you you started that up and helped start that up. Can you tell us more about like mm-hmm. that that's that experience and and just uh, do you have any good stories about about starting that up? Well, you know when I when I joined the union back in '06, this was the second. Uh, effort of the players to, to organize and uh, collective bargain. This is after the NFL players association had represented the players in the early days of MLS, uh, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. This is after uh, Frazier versus MLS, the, the, the lawsuit, the players filed um, to hopefully break up single entity that, that failed miserably. Um, So the players were kind of licking their wounds there wasn't a whole lot of money in the kitty. Players weren't making very much. And so it was a very bare bones operation. When I uh, joined the organization, we were, you know, renting off a space and, and more or less, you know, as I like to say, we were a, a box of uh, hard drives and some, some paper files. And from there, we, you know, slowly built our, our you know, we opened our own office uh, and, and grew, you know, uh, brick by brick, if you will. Um, so I was there in the very early and lean days of the Players Association, kind of helped us build, you know, the infrastructure um, there at the organization uh, to make sure that we had all of our ducks in a row and were, could represent the players the best, um, the best we knew how. Um, and so it was, it was an exciting time. Uh, you know, a lot was happening. Um, you know, the, the players were, you know in many cases struggling with, with very low, you know, the, the back end of the rosters were, were making peanuts uh, and, and just their ability to, you know, get through the day to day of a season, um, you know, and surviving and, and making sure that all their bills were paid and that they could continue being professional soccer players um, was a lot of our focus. Um, but initially, but in, in addition to that, my focus was, you know, making sure that, players were being paid what they were supposed to be being paid that, that every time they were going into renegotiations with the league, um, that they were as prepared as possible to know what the, the market was paying um, so that they could negotiate uh, the best contract for themselves. You know, while my bosses, um, the executive director and the general counsel were focused on, you know, the big battles, the CBA day to day, or, you know, and, and focusing on that, that next you know, big war, I, I chose to focus more on the, the little battles, the, the, you know, the, the little victories of, you know, let's get a, a, a minimal minuscule increase in, in, the, in their next salary, make sure that the top dollar was growing day by day, um, contract by contract, um, you know, t- to allow players to, 
to build, um, you know, a, a little bit more equity in the game than they had had the day before. And so that was kind of the work I did um, was just making sure that everyone was CBA compliant. Um, sure. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my background there. Yeah. I mean, that was about the time that MLS was going through the contraction, right? So like the, the clubs, it's got to be contentious, like with the clubs barely being able to like even not even being sure whether they're not, there's even going to be a league, but at the same time trying to like make sure that the players aren't getting screwed over. Like that's, that's gotta be a very interesting dynamic. It was, you know, it was, uh, it, I saw kind of the, the, the rebirth of MLS, you know, I, I joined, uh, the players association when we were still struggling, uh, through that period, you know, Salt Lake and Toronto were just coming online um, you know, the, the world cup had just ended. Uh, and, you know, before I left the players association, you know, we saw Beckham come in as the first designated player. And that was really a, a life changing event for the players, um, collectively and, and really began to see the, the rebirth of the league and kind of the growth, um, to where we've gotten to today. Awesome. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit and talk about, um, the scouting in America and, and, um, yeah. And where you, what you're doing now these days. Um, so for, for someone like me, who's not super well-versed in, in what the scouting ecosystem looks like in America, can you try to maybe give us a kind of an overview or like a state of the union, if you will, like a very broad, like what, what does the talent identification ecosystem look like in America? And like, what are the, What's what are kind of the broad brushstrokes that are that are at play here? Sure, um, you know, similarly to you know the evolution I saw at the players' union just in a handful of years, you know the the growth in talent identification and and the growth in opportunities for players to be identified and, and now be given opportunities has has morphed dramatically. Even I would argue even more so than what's happened to MLS in in just the last couple of years. Um, you know, the, the market in which I, I joined USL in 2012 with the Wilmington Hammerheads versus what is available for players now and, and the teams competing, um, you know, to identify the best talent, uh, you know, just in, you know, what we're talking seven years now, the it's night and day. Um, and so back when, you know, I was with the players union, I was looking at, you know, just you know, how are we identify? Like, you know, it was, it was always fascinating to me is, is what's being done to identify players in this country. What's the, what's the plan to, to really make sure that you have your arms wrapped around, you know, a significant portion, if not the entire ball of wax, you know, of, of the player pool in this country. And, mm-hmm. and just looking at it on its face, this country is massive. Uh, you know, the, the, the amount of clubs, the amount of players that are competing, how do you truly gauge a player from, you know, Florida all the, you know, to a kid playing in San Diego or, you know, somewhere in, in middle America, you know, it's how do you compare the talent levels from market to market and, and really region to region? Um, and, and there was not much really happening in that space. Um, you know, when I first started looking at this from, from a player's perspective, as I wanted to prepare myself to move to club side, uh, operation, you know, how could I get a gain a strategic advantage in, in having a network of, of talent scouts and, and identifiers to, to make sure I had the best information so I could theoretically build the, the best roster. Uh, and so that's always been a, a fascinating for me. That's kind of how I've 
built relationships with, with guys in the game who are scouts that had that similar vision um, and ultimately led to, to, you know, the, the company we formed. But, um, you know, I, th- I think what it comes down to is, you know, you're struggling to truly identify players in this, you know, the, the full scope of players in this game and what's the best strategic option to do that. Um, and, and back in, you know, 2012, uh, you know, when I joined uh, Wilmington, th- there weren't a lot of opportunities, but it was truly, you know, working connections and relationships that I had already built in the game through my players union experience to find talented players upon moving to Kansas city. Um, you know, I was filling in a hole amongst a group of guys uh, that were already working for Kansas City and, and really the first network of scouts in the country that I was aware of um, were, got, you know, Peter Vermese had, had hired some guys, uh, you know, domestically to be embedded in markets and scouting on behalf of the club mm-hmm. um, to truly identify players uh, at the college level um, that could come in and, and be, you know, what I think were uh, major components of, of the team as, as it came through the, the early two, uh, you know, 2010s. Um, and, and so, you know, I think his record of, of great draft success was born over the fact that he invested, uh, the effort in identifying the full talent pool at the college game. And so, you know, fast forward to now, and you've seen an evolution where the game is getting younger and younger, um, you know, the, the college game, while in my opinion, not extinct, um, is, is certainly less important. Um, you know, even the, even the best players that, that go into college are leaving long before their, their academic efforts are, are done there. Um, you know, the very best players are not graduating, um, and, and need to be identified as quickly as possible because they're, you know, in many cases they're playing one semester and then headed to a pro opportunity, um, right after their freshman year. And so with that arms race and the effort to, to, to identify players sooner and get them into, you know, professional opportunities comes the, you know, now this arms race on behalf of clubs, not only at the MLS level, but even, you know, lower down the, the totem pole to identify these players and, and find a way to get them into their systems. Um, but in many cases, what we've, what I've found is that, you know, professional clubs, even still can't really afford the, the network of, of talent evaluators that's necessary to truly have a good gauge on players in this country. Um, you know, there isn't resources even at the MLS level in many cases to fund a, a true scouting staff that is going to, you know, beat the pavement from coast to coast, um, you know, looking for players, you know, at the youth level and at the, uh, you know, DA level, um, et cetera, et cetera, to, to make sure that they have a, a true gauge on the talent pool. It's still, um, who do you know, who have you talked to, who have you seen, um, sure. and, and all of that that is putting together what makes up, you know, club scouting efforts. So that's kind of privatization of the scouting network because the, the most clubs can't afford for that network. Is that a good, a good, uh, comparison or I guess, uh, analogy. Like where? Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. It's it's really just it's sourcing the information and and collectively investing in um, a group to to do to do that identification work for you. At least whittle down the group from you know a, a massive sized group to to one much smaller, more manageable for internal uh, club operations to then uh, pick through, if you will. Cool. Um, 
are there are there lots of companies like yours or is yours the like one of the only ones or like how I guess my question is like there, the, obviously we just talked about that there is a gap in in that like how big is that gap yeah. and and um how much effort outside of organiz- like MLS and USL organizations is is devoted to scouting Well you know from from my understanding and what I know of the scouting you know uh, efforts in this country, you know, US, what the U.S. Soccer is doing at the, at the um, national te- youth national team level and identifying players in that pool, um, you know, that's to me the most exhaustive effort that's currently that currently exists in this country. Um, you know, they have scouts throughout the nation. Um, you know, probably totaling uh, you know just above about a hundred guys total. Um, you know, looking for for the very best youth players in the country that can that can enter into the national team pool. Um, you know, f- from a professional club level, which is primarily what the what we're focused on. Um, you know, that market is a little bit more varying. You know, I think you know MLS club to MLS club. Um, you know, and and even further down the line, uh, you know, into USL and and other um, entities. I think there's just more. Uh, difference in terms of how teams are building their staff. Some some clubs will hire a handful of guys and have them be full bore on the ground, um, doing the you know the the majority of that work. Other clubs tend to use consultants, um, you know, guys that they have had longstanding relationships with, embedded in different parts of the country um, that they call upon to you know maybe scout anywhere from a handful of games to a a significant amount of games based off of what their market provides. Um, we'll send them, you know, hopscotch them a couple of places around the country to, to fill in some gaps for them. So every club really has built their own scouting network differently. Uh, you know, there are clubs that really ha- possess very little assets in that space, uh, you know, and, and really just rely upon their internal efforts and phone calls um, to coaching staffs and, you know, at the collegiate level or even younger to, identify players oftentimes at the, you know, if you're, you're bringing in a kid from outside of market into the Academy, oftentimes it's the young, it's the young player reaching out to the club saying, we'd love to come in for a trial. You know, would that be something you guys would be open to? Sure. Send them in. And, and oftentimes that's kind of how a a recruitment begins is through, is through the players efforts, not, not the clubs. So it really varies uh, widely. Um, you know, what the amount of investment and effort a club is putting into. And again, all the more reason why we felt, uh, you know, our model of privatizing it and, and allowing us to be consultants to multiple teams. Um, there was a need for that, uh, in the space. Very interesting. Um, we, you kind of touched on it, um, or a little bit earlier with the United States being so large, how, how do you Mm -hmm. guys deal with, with, with that and how, I, mean, I know your, your staff is pretty, pretty small, um, comparative, you know, like f- comparatively what five, five guys or uh, we're, we're much bigger than that actually. Okay. So I was just looking uh, at your our, website. So. Our, yeah, no. So that's our, that's our management team. Um, oh, okay. but, but our actual scouting network is, is, is bigger. Um, so we have guys, uh, all throughout the country, I'd say eight of those guys we've been working with for 
you know, more than a half dozen years um, and, and guys that we have great faith in and, and are the core of our team that do, uh, you know, the, the bulk of the heavy lifting. Uh-huh. Uh, and then since our launch and, and, you know, we've been cultivating other assets and, and guys we've known in the, in the game, you know, at varying capacities for years um, that we're now integrating into making sure that we have a more complete network and, and more boots on the ground, you know, doing work. And in some cases, those guys, based off of the market they live in, may only do a handful of games for us annually, but they're critical games to, you know, fill out our efforts and, and really make sure that we have, um, you know, seen players in, in far flung markets because, you know, a, a major component of our of our um of what we're trying to accomplish is to to keep costs down and travel right. you know sending scouts from one from one place to another to another all throughout the country gets incredibly costly and so we're hoping that by having uh scouts all throughout you know already stationed all throughout the country we're we're eliminating a lot of the travel costs um and able to cultivate all that information into uh, an online database that will will make us strong and and give us really one of the most complete uh, scouting information set data sets in, in the country. Gotcha. Are, are there any, are there any regions in the U S that you know that are, that are, I guess, habitually under scouted. So some places that, uh, not a whole lot of people really go to, or, or that might, that might have talent that, that, uh, we just don't know about. Well, I mean, I think there, the, the country is, you know, there are, I'll, I'll flip it a little bit and say that there are areas of the country that are very well saturated where many of the scouts, you know, the scouting is, is born, I would say on the coasts, um, you know, the East coast, the West coast, where there are a lot of teams and good teams at that in close proximity to one another. So very early on when we began scouting and, and, and part of our pitch to sporting Kansas city was you're based in the middle of the country and the scouts, the scouting network we've built, is based on the coasts. So rather than you send people from the center of the country to the far coasts on either side of the country, have us already here for you and we're pumping information into you at your club. And then that way it allows you to focus the rest of your budget on sending guys and short little hops throughout the middle of the country into Dallas, into Chicago, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that model works very, very well for us then. Um, and so similarly, you know, part of the effort we would do is we'd be scouting these, all of these college programs and, and, um, amateur programs on the coast and wait for good clubs from the center part of the country to travel to an East coast or West coast club. And then we'd see, we'd catch them that way and not have to travel to them. Um, and so that's part of the vision. So I would say, the the less scouted areas are the areas in which there's, there may be a good team or a couple of good club youth clubs, but not much else around it. And so who's, who's going to make the one-off trip to go see that club? Um, you know, th- that's certainly a struggle, but, but furthermore, I would say that the areas that are very well underserved are the areas underneath the elite levels of soccer. Um, you know, so in the youth space, the non-DA programs, so ECNL and, mm-hmm. and other programs of that ilk, um, that in many areas can be just as good a quality of a player as a DA program, but but you know there just isn't the bandwidth to go and see those those types of pro, you know clubs from those programs because you know there's a little bit 
you know, while there are good clubs in, in those levels, there are probably a more wide varying level of, of poor clubs as well. And so um, if you're investing the time, you want to make sure that you're seeing as many good clubs as possible. So I think uh, part, part of that is trying to, um, you know, when you put the, when you put the investment of time into it, you're trying to see as many good clubs as possible, which is why the focus on DA and, and elite level youth tournaments is where much of the scouting is happening in this country from a youth perspective. And we're trying to expand the efforts into, into different, you know, Hispanic leagues, et cetera, et cetera, as well to, to cover um, where, where there might be some gaps in the current country's scouting efforts. That makes total sense. Um, so I'm a, I'm a software developer by trade. And so, um, I mm-hmm. heard you mention a database and, uh, yeah. um, so that immediately piques my interest as a big giant nerd. Tell me a little bit about, um, if, as much as you can about, um, like what kind of data do you keep on, on players? I don't know. It's probably uh, pretty, uh, proprietary, but, um, and then also like, how do you use that data to compare players ac- across different situations. So like, like you mentioned earlier with a player in, in Florida versus a player in, you know, I don't know, Iowa or something. Um, what, how can you use data to, to maybe compare those players at all? Or, or how, how does, how do you do that? <laughs> sure. So, you know, the, the short answer to your question about what type of data do we compile is, as much as we possibly can, um, you know, and so we're, we try to track anything that we think has value to it. Um, and, and depending upon the reliability of the club, the reliability of their websites, the reliability of, you know, word of mouth, um, in terms of conversations when you're, you know, post game or before game or on the sidelines with, with parents, um, you know, there's, a challenge in really validating some of this information because you're, you're relying on the trust and, and what people are telling you. And sometimes that's correct. And sometimes it's not. Um, so you do your very best in trying to cultivate information and, and engage whether or not it's worthwhile enough to include, you know, uh, passport, you know, citizenship, uh, status, passports, those type of things, you know, oftentimes you take people's word on what's, what they have access to and and where they currently stand. Um, as you're evaluating only to find later that some of that information may have not been correct. So you really do your best to, again, you know, part of, you know, I scouting in my, I've always believed is, is information gathering. That's the job. That's what you're doing. Um, you're certainly trying to identify, um, qual- you know, qualities in someone, but you're, you're really just fact gather. You're a fact gatherer, um, a researcher, and ultimately trying to pull as much data so that the decision makers at a club can make the most educated decision they possibly can. Um, and so it's important for us to, to gather as much data, but we also try to be mindful of, you know, what can we truly, uh, you know, look at here and, and identify trends or, or information that's beneficial. And so, I think the younger you go, um, the less refined the league may be, or in terms of keeping quality information, quality data, you know, you're really rolling the dice in terms of what that data can truly tell you. Um, but, but oftentimes, you know, when we talk about data, it's not always, you know, numbers, you know, how many goals assists do they have? What's their, you know, goalkeeping stats, et cetera, et cetera. It's not always for me, that type of data that's important. It's, you know, we have a, 
a roster spot that requires that it, it be a domestic player. And so knowing who's domestic and who, who wouldn't qualify as a domestic is an important data set that immediately weeds out, you know, a significant portion of the player pool. Um, and, and there are a lot of fact, you know, we, we don't want a player who's over this age. Okay. So, you know, just using age is another data data point can weed out quite a, a bit of, um, you know, potential players in our pool as well. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of different subsets I think that ultimately impact how you get to X in terms of, again, whittling up uh, an entire data set down to a more manageable number and, and less players to evaluate, um, you know, video, I think has improved tremendously on players and, and we try to incorporate video into what we're doing as well. Um, you know, and that's been a, a big, uh, growth effort for us in terms of having good relationships with, with the different video companies and, and gathering, uh, you know, privately developed video um, made by the individual players themselves, whether it be a highlight tape or, or a full game uh, match video. So, you know, there's a lot of different uh, components I think that can help to ultimately make an educated decision. Um, you know, but I think first and foremost, it's, you know, when you have, when you're a club, and you're coming to the table saying, well, we need, this is what we need for our club, whether it be a, a right back or, you know, a striker, knowing that when you're looking at a data set, you can say confidently that this is, this is fairly complete, you know, in terms of the pool that's available to us and whittling through that, you know, extensive pool down to, uh, again, a, a more manageable group of players that you can then truly dig into and, and get a, a full sense of, of what the market offers. Um, and so I think it's going to take quite a long time to truly get there in the youth space. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, in this country, you know, athletes develop at different rates and different components of the, you know, points of their life, which is why I think it's, uh, it's important that we, you know, our scouting efforts all the way from, you know, the youth game to the lower division pro is important in terms of, you know, watching a player, um, on his path and journey to, you know, in, in development to say, you know, look at, you know, we, we used to, we scouted that player as a youth player, look at how they've, you know, come through college and now into the pros and how they've, how they've, you know, grown as a player and, and now emerged into a true prospect to continue that growth pattern, maybe into MLS, maybe to go abroad and play and have that subset of information available for, um, for teams to say, look, you know, they've been scouting this player for a long time and have a really good grasp on, on what he can bring to the table. So. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, one of the things that, that we've kind of been hearing lately and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it and then I'd like to get your reaction and whether or not it rings true to you, but like there's this thing, this statement or this, this sentiment being going around uh, that, that Messi would get overlooked in the United States because he's small. He's not tall and athletic. And then that's something that that, that scouting and, and and talent identification players or are, are people are looking for when they're trying to find talent in the U.S. Um, does that ring true to you, or does that like what's your reaction to that when you hear people say that? Well, I mean, it's an interesting one. I, you know, I, it, you know, I, I see it from a couple of different viewpoints. I, first off, you know, seeing Messi now. Um, you know, it, it's shocking to think that he might, you know, that he could possibly be passed over by anybody given how talented he is. Um, but, you know, there is some, there has been in the past truth to, you know, 
older, older developed, more developed players athletically, physically have always done better in the youth game in terms of, you know, emerging and being given opportunities to, to go higher up the, the food chain in terms of, you know, DA spots, youth national team spots. So I, I think it would be hard. I'd be hard pressed to say that, that, you know, globally that that hasn't been an issue in the past, you know, the, the, the age change, um, for youth, you know, youth designations going from a a mid year cut to, you know, each annual, um, you know, the, the change in ages, uh, for the DA programs and national team programs, uh, was a big change. And, and in many cases related to, um, again, you know, athlete development and, and their, the growth of their bodies. So, you know, I think there's some credence to that um, where, where he would struggle. But I think the other component for me is, you know, as a, as a Latin player, you know, would he have been identified in an opportunity that is, uh, you know, would Messi be identified in Dallas? Probably would, would Messi be identified in some other part of the country that isn't, um, as accepting or, or opportunities provided to, to Latin players, maybe not, you know? So I think it would, it would certainly matter, you know, where Messi grew up in this country, um, unfortunately. And so I think part of that is, is, is not only giving opportunities to, to kids um, without means and, and, and integrating them into the system, but also making them feel comfortable that they would want to stay, you know, that this is, this is the best place for me to develop. I, I feel like I'm, I'm valued here. I'm treated well. Um, and, and I'm in an environment in which I can grow. Um, and quite frankly, some, you know, some programs in this country are better at, you know, uh, bringing a diverse pool of players than others. And, and that's just the, the reality of it. So I think a lot of it would have to do with demographics and, and part of the country as well. For sure. All right. Well, um, I always like to end my interviews, um, with on a happy note because I'm an optimistic type of fella. Tell me a little bit about some of your success stories. Like who, who, where are some, some ways, or who are some people that you've helped, uh, identify and, and, and what are some of the things that like that where you and your company have, have shined? Well, okay. Um, yeah, you know, I think, so our company is less than a year old. So, okay. um, you know, so I'll, I'll get into that in a second, you know, scouting throughout the game. Um, you know, I think some of the success stories that, that we've had that myself and some of the people that work with us have had in scouting is, you know, I, I take great pride as well as my colleagues do in, in the great run of, I believe college drafts that sporting Kansas city had, um, you know, again, from roughly 2000, 12 to, uh, you know, 15, 16, when we were there, you know, I think many of the players drafted have converted and and performed well um, at sporting uh, that I believe gave the club significant depth throughout to get through an MLS season, you know, uh, scouting college for um, an MLS team was never really that sexy a job. You know, our job was not to find, the next Messi in college to come in and be a, a significant, you know, contributor. Although, you know, obviously Beasler and and Zussi, you know, came out of the program and were significant uh, contributors not only for at Sporting but also for the national team program. Um, you know, our job was to uh, was truly to identify players twelve through eighteen 
on the roster to make sure that again, uh, the depth was there, that if, if the club sustained injuries in the middle of the season, that they could continue to rack up points um, and, and be competitive. Uh, and I think we successfully did that. So, you know, maybe not specific names, but, but guys, you know, or guys that truly ring um, as major, major contributors, but, but guys that, you know, did their job and, and, and filled a role and, and helped that club be successful, you know, win a couple of open cups and, and, uh, you know, an MLS cup while we were there working with them. So, so it's, it's things like that, that really brought great pride to us since we've, you know, launched the syndicate. Um, you know, I think for us, it's, you know, we've identified, we've been able to identify players at the youth space. We've, uh, you know, we've moved a couple of youth players from one part of the country, uh, you know, into a, an MLS and or USL Academy, um, you know, and their families into the market. So, you know, those have been some success stories thus far, uh, you know, on the player side, you know, I think just the, <clears throat> the depth of our, of our talent pool right now, or, or, no, excuse me, not our talent pool, but our client pool, um, you know, the, the fact that we're, we're getting great interest at all levels from MLS to USL, uh, you know, in, to, to DA programs, uh, we've signed a handful of NPSL PDL clubs as well. Uh, we, we've brought on our first international partner. Um, you know, I think that's one area, uh, you know, that we've not touched upon too much today, but I think is important. Um, you know, not only do we think we can scout for domestic clubs here in the U S uh, in Canada, but obviously the, the interest in, in, our talent abroad uh, is growing, you know, by the minute uh, and, and more and more clubs are trying to put assets over here to identify the best young talent um, or even well-developed talent to take over abroad. And, and we fully anticipate that we will have global partners in, in each market um, to be their eyes and ears here uh, in North America, not only to, to look at domestic players, but also, you know, the, the influx of players, from abroad into our college system, um, many of those players that come over are, we believe are talented enough to return home to their countries and participate as full-fledged professionals. Uh, and we want to be um, able to help our club partners uh, globally, uh, you know, identify those players first and get them back to their home countries and, and competing in their, in their markets. So I think, I think our, our company brings a lot of, uh, different benefits, uh, you know, some of which we've realized already um, and, and many that are still yet to come. That's awesome. I really like that answer. Um, everybody thinks about, you know, uh, you, what's on your mind is those big DPs, those big, big name players, but that, but just as important is that, that roster depth and, and no one ever really think, talks about or thinks about like how you fill that out and in an efficient way. So I really appreciate that answer. Yeah, just if I wouldn't could just add one thing to that, I would sure. say, you know, as as we see clubs piling into the game, you know, not only MLS expanding, you know, club by club, but USL is growing incredibly quickly. Um, I'd be remiss not to mention that, you know, our efforts are expanding into Canada as well. And with the Canadian Premier League coming in um, and League One Ontario uh, about to be a major component in their development system as well. The amount of clubs that are that, that are coming online in this country and, and in North America as a whole is so significant that the talent pool is about to be stretched to its absolute brink in terms of um, players that are, are capable of competing at that level. And we hope to be a significant factor in making sure that clubs can fill those spots because the, the recruitment efforts, the, the effort to 
be competitive for the very best players. Um, you know, in 2012, when I was in Wilmington, the off season would begin and players would trickle in, you know, new signings for the next season would, would come in at a trickle. And now, you know, the very, very best players in USL and um, are being signed even before the, the previous season is over. And so the, just the, the cycle of recruitment and, and efforts to get a player under contract for your club um, is just, it's the pace and, and the effort and the, the investment in players is, is growing vastly. And if you're not prepared and organized and have the best information and data at your disposal, um, you're either going to get left behind or, or miss the boat on, on a good player, or you're, or you're going to make the wrong decisions um, because you didn't do enough research uh, in your effort to, to keep up. That's fantastic. All right, Scott. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, I super appreciate it. I learned a lot uh, just talking to you. Yeah, no problem, Dustin. Thanks for the time. Uh, where can people find you um, and, and support you? Sure. Our website is thesoccersyndicate.com. Um, and then our, uh, we have Twitter and, and Facebook and LinkedIn all on, uh, connected on our site. So you can find us there. Uh, yeah, we, we are always open to considering, uh, in people who are interested in, in the game of scouting and, and want to be part of our network. Uh, you know, we do training and, and, uh, you know, give, the, give scouts the support, um, that they need where we always are open to interns and, and people that want to learn and, and maybe down the road, they become a, a larger component of our, of our network of scouts. But, uh, you know, we're trying to do it again, a different way and, and to, to give opportunities to all. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dustin. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Scott for taking time out of his busy schedule to educate all of us in what he does on a daily basis. You can find Scott on Twitter as at biz, B-I-Z, off the pitch. And you can find The Soccer Syndicate online at thesoccersyndicate.com or on Twitter as at soccer syndicate with no E. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends and hit subscribe in your podcast app. You can also find our previous episodes right there in the app, so please go check those out as well. Music for this episode was Avicii's Fade Into Darkness instrumental radio mix. Thanks for listening, everybody.